This morning we're going to conclude our series of three messages, My Covenant Commitment. And as I said, next week uh, we're going to ask that, uh, that together we, we formalize that commitment as a church. And I hope that you will be here if you can. Uh, just going to be a wonderful, wonderful day for us as a church family. Uh, we were reminded last week, of course, the, of the, the essential nature uh, of sacrificial service within the body of Christ. You know, one of the things that uh, I hope you have learned around here is that the word love that is used prominently throughout the New Testament is that word agape, it speaks of a godly, a godlike kind of love. And really it implies a sacrifice that is made for the benefit of another. That's, that's what true biblical love is, a sacrifice made for the benefit of someone else. And of course, we know that as believers, we're to love God and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. right? That's the two great commandments. Uh, so what we're really talking about is just our, our love for the Lord when we talk about these covenant commitment principles. Uh, we must serve within the church. The Apostle Paul declared that we were created in Christ for good works. That's, of course, in Ephesians 2.10. We were made by God to serve God. And, of course, we've been reminded over and over and over again that the way that we serve God is by serving one another. We serve the body of Christ. Uh, we were also reminded that this service is made possible by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. I believe Neil said something along these lines, that God didn't put his trust in us, rather he put his spirit in us uh, so that we could do that which he has commanded us to do. And I hope that as you think about these three uh, aspects of our covenant commitment, this, this idea of persistent participation within the church, sacrificial service within the church, financial faithfulness within the church. I hope you, you won't think of these things in, as just something that we're supposed to consider and then make up our minds whether or not that that's really something important to us as individuals or to the church. These are things that God has said are, are essential within the body of Christ. If we're going to see the kind of, of growth and the kind of ministry and mission that, that should be taking place around here, that we want to take place around here, it requires all three aspects of our covenant commitment to be fulfilled within each and every one of us. Again, God has filled us, indwelt us with the Holy Spirit of God. And as a result of that, we have been given what the Bible refers to as, as gifts, spiritual Gifts, and not only spiritual gifts, but, but talents. And these spiritual gifts, the Bible says, and talents that, that God has created within us are to be employed to the benefit of the church. We're to use these gifts and talents to bless and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I've already mentioned it, but perhaps one of the most significant areas of our sacrificial service is financial faithfulness. I said a few weeks ago that one of the complaints that I've gotten over the years is that I, I talk too much about money. Uh, and so if you're listening today for the first time, you'll say, see, I, I told you. Uh, 
But this is something that's important. The Bible has a lot to say about money. It's always amazing to me as I begin to pray and prepare uh, to preach such messages as the one I'm preaching today, and I begin looking through my Bible, uh, the, the large passages of Scripture and the multiple passages of Scripture that, that speak toward uh, the believer's handling uh, of, of financial resources. It's very important to God. Again, I, I mentioned earlier, everything that we have, all right, the blessings that we enjoy, they're all from God, the giver of, of good and gracious gifts. Everything is from him. And, and so often the, what happens to us is we begin to see ourselves as owners rather than managers, uh, and that's always a problem when we do. We always have to be reminded that we are not owners. We're, we're managers. I've, uh, God entrusts his stuff to us, uh, and he calls us to manage what he has entrusted to us in a way that will bring honor and glory to him. So as we think about financial faithfulness, let me just say this right up front. Thank you. I, I am so thankful for the financial faithfulness that is represented right here in this room this morning. So many of you, uh, and I'm sure, sacrificially give to the support of this church, its missions, its, its ministries. And I just, I just want to thank you right now. You don't know what an encouragement that is to me, to our staff, uh, to our leadership, uh, to know. And, and again, last year, for the first time in many years, we saw a, 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 an uptick in our giving. We actually, in 2023, we exceeded the giving of 2022. We haven't done that in many, many years. And so that's a wonderful sign of encouragement, and I hope that you will be encouraged and that that will encourage you to get on board. But the sad reality, even within this church, is that there are many people that are not financially faithful. Uh, and I just want to encourage you to be. If you have not been in the past, start today. Start today. Uh, honor the Lord uh, with everything that he has entrusted to you. And that, that not only means that we give to the church in the manner that God has called us to give, but it means we spend our money, we invest our money, we, we give our money away to friends and family in a way that honors God because it's all his. So financial faithfulness extends far beyond what we do here on Sunday mornings when we pass the offering plate or what you do when you click on the e-giving uh, tab on our, our website. Uh, I, I, was, I, I can't tell you how encouraged I was just the other day. We have a, a family that has recently joined our church, uh, and uh, we were getting some information from them. And he looked at me and he said, Now, just how exactly do I go about tithing in this church? I don't know that anybody has ever asked me that question before. <laughs> it kind of caught me off guard, and it thrilled me. I mean, here's a guy that's just joined our church, and the first question he asked isn't, hey, what kind of youth ministry do you have for my children? Hey, what kind of fellowships do you have for my wife and I? No, it was, how can I tithe? How can I support my church? Uh, and what a privilege. And of course, you know, we have many ways that you can do that. There are offering envelopes in the seat backs right in front of you. You can always grab one of those, fill it out, put your check inside it or cash. Uh, you can give online. Uh, 
many of you who are watching from home, and I'm so grateful for you, you send your tithes and offerings in through the mail. We appreciate that. Uh, it always makes it exciting to go to the mailbox, the possibility there might be some money out there, you know, from somebody. So there are lots of ways to give. And I want to emphasize that giving financially is commanded by God, all right? Now, as we're going to see, we, don't, we no longer live under the law. We don't give under the law. We live under grace, and we give under grace. But, but giving is not an option for the Christian. We are all called, really commanded, to do this. As I said, God has entrusted us with his wealth. He has called us to be stewards or managers of that which belongs to him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, he says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So we want to be faithful stewards of that which God has entrusted to us. We want to, to obey him in this area of our lives, just as we should want to obey him in every area of our lives. And here's the thing. I believe that every genuine Christian desires to be found faithful. I mean, is that not the case for you? I mean, in your heart, is there not a desire to be found faithful? To know that you are honoring God in every area of your life? Now, again, I know that we don't do that perfectly. Uh, even as believers, we are not sinless creatures uh, who somehow manage to stay above all of the, the, the evil and the wickedness that exists in our world. No, we live in this world, and we are often impacted by, by this world, and there are times when we stumble and we, we fall, but as we sang today, we are never separated from God's love. We're also never separated from the responsibilities that God has entrusted to us as those who are loved by Him. So, Genuine Christians want to be found faithful. They want to, to give as God has told us we should give. And I believe that God has told us. He has given us clear instruction in Scripture how we can accomplish this task of being found faithful in the area of financial faithfulness. Neil shared with us last week that we are beneficiaries of the new covenant. You know, we live under the new covenant, right? That's what Christ ushered in, all right? Uh, a, a covenant far superior to the old covenant. I mean, the old covenant that we read about in the Old Testament was, was from God. It was, it was God's instruction. It was clearly God's plan for his people for a time. But it wasn't an eternal plan. Christ came. And with Christ, the new covenant Came. We are beneficiaries of that new covenant. Uh, we do not live under the law, as I said a moment ago. We live under grace. And again, that means we give, not under the law, but under grace. We have talked about the word tithe here from this pulpit. Uh, a tithe is a tenth. I mean, it's pretty much that simple. If you want to tithe to the Lord on your income, you will give one-tenth of your income. Uh, but I believe that that tithe, and along with other gifts, were, were, un, were that, that was the law under the Old Covenant. We no longer live under that Old Covenant. We give by grace. So you'd say to me, well, does that mean that I don't have to tithe? No, I didn't say that. I believe that those of us who live under grace want to give far more than a tithe if it's possible. And what we find in Scripture is that giving is something that we 
simply do in accordance with God's will for our life and with the way God has blessed us personally. Uh, so turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. There are so many places we could have gone this morning, but this is such a wonderful, short, really just one verse, a, a text of Scripture here that deals with, with some principles of grace giving that I want to share with you. Uh, this is not a message that I have not preached before. Uh, many of you may have a date by this uh, text in your Bible, so uh, I know that I've preached it before. <laughs> but I think it's important. These are important principles. These are principles that will help us to be found faithful in the area uh, of financial stewardship. And again, I know that this text is giving instruction. Paul is giving instruction to the Corinthian church. And by the way, the Corinthian church was a lot like us. They were a wealthy church. Now you say, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm not wealthy. Compared to Christians all around the world, oh yes you are. We're wealthy. Compared to other churches that, that Paul was collecting an offering from, money that was intended to go to the Jerusalem church for the poor saints there in Jerusalem, uh, the Corinthian church stood head and shoulders above all the others as far as their financial wealth. Uh, and I believe that if you were to take a good hard look at Christians throughout the world, we Western, we U.S. Christians stand head and shoulders above all others as far as our, our financial wealth. So we, can, we should listen to this message even as the Corinthians listened as Paul's letter was read to them. So this was a collection that was being taken. This really wasn't concerning week in and week out giving to the church. This was a special offering. Uh, it was a voluntary thing. Paul didn't command that anybody give. He certainly encouraged their giving, but he didn't command them to give. Uh, but I think within this text we'll find some real important principles that will help us to honor the Lord uh, in our giving. So just look at verse 2 with me. 1 Corinthians 16 Paul writes this. He says, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Well, let's pray. And then we're going we're to take that verse apart and look at it point by point. Father, we are thankful today for your word. Thankful for what your word tells us about giving, about financial faithfulness. And Lord, I, for one, and I believe I am far from the only one, I want to be found faithful in this area of my life. I want to be found faithful in every area of my life, this one included. And I know, Father, that this area of financial faithfulness is, well, it is so significant to the life of the church. Apart from the faithfulness of your people, the generous contributions of the members of this church, we, we couldn't, couldn't function, not in the way that we do now. So I pray that you would speak to my heart and to every heart, Lord. Are we doing what we should be doing? Are we giving in a manner that will lead to our being found faithful when Christ returns? So open our hearts in our minds. Help us to ask ourselves a, a hard question today. Does my giving reflect 
the heart of my generous God. And we'll give you praise and thanks for all of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First principle that I would share with you this morning concerning grace giving is that grace giving is planned. All right? Often within the Christian life, uh, people who learn a little bit about the Scripture, a little bit about what it means to live for the Lord, to walk in the Spirit, if we're not careful, we can kind of turn that into something that's a little bit too mystical. Uh, and especially when it comes to our giving, uh, and we can get this idea or maybe be moved to kind of uh, give in this manner, whenever the Spirit moves me. Uh, I read a story a long time ago, I've shared it with you before, about a poor farmer and his wife who lived under the old covenant. Uh, they had a cow. And their cow was going to give birth uh, to a calf. And they were so excited, uh, the, the prosperity that that would bring to their, their home. They were so excited about that. And then when the day came, not only was one calf delivered, but two. And the wife said to the husband, oh, what a blessing God has bestowed upon us. We need to give. We need to consecrate one of these calves to the Lord to thank him for his, his blessings. Which one shall we give to the Lord? Uh, the farmer told his wife, he said, well, let's just wait. and We'll pray about it and we'll make a decision later about which one we'll give to the Lord. Well, as time went by, one of the calves got sick and died. And of course, when the wife came to the husband, he said, well, it's just a good thing that we've consecrated that one to the Lord. <laughs> the point of that story is this. If you just wait to give God whatever you got left over at the end of the month, guess what God's going to get? Often nothing, and even more often, little of nothing. So our giving needs to be planned. We need to think about what we're going to give. Giving is something that's that important. According to this text, and look at what Paul, the words, on the first day of every week. In other words, he's helping the Corinthian church plan for their giving. And he says this is something that needs to be scheduled. Put this down on your schedule. Again, scheduling things like giving and and. and prayer and other things like that, sometimes Christians will think, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Shouldn't I give when I feel led of the Lord? Shouldn't I pray when God just impresses it upon me to pray? To pray? And the answer to that question is no. You should pray when God impresses you to pray. You should give when God puts it upon your heart to give, but you also ought to schedule your giving and your praying, all right? Make it a matter of routine, habit, a daily time with the Lord, a weekly setting aside of funds that belong to the Lord, that are be, to be given to Him. That's what Paul is saying. Each one of you on the first day of every week. Now, again... There was a time in my own life, Jan and I, we would, we would write a tithe check every week. And you know why we did that? Not because of this verse necessarily, but because we got paid every week, or at least I did. 
a weekly paycheck. And therefore, when that paycheck came in, the very first check that I wrote, if you could go back and you could look at uh, my bank reconciliation statements right now, and you would see that the, 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 the first entry in my ledger after I enter that deposit, the next one is CHBC and, and a tithe check that's written. And I did that because I found out inadvertently, it wasn't intentional, that if I skipped a week or two, man, that check seemed really big to write after skipping a couple of weeks. So our giving should be planned. It should be regular. It should occur regularly, not simply when we feel generous or when God has blessed us extraordinarily uh, or we feel led to give. There will be those times when... A situation will present itself that will give us the opportunity to give out of our routine, to give to something that we don't give to as regularly as we do to the support of our missions and ministries here in the church. But when we are talking about, and that's what we're talking about, we're talking about our giving to the church. It should be planned. It should be regular. Uh, Again, think about your giving. Ask yourself the question, Am I giving what I should give? Am I giving in a manner that I should give? I mean, not only should we give in accordance to what God entrusts to us, but we should give cheerfully. There's one of the the choruses that we sing, and and one of the lines in that chorus is, there's pain in the offering. (laughs) I think I almost laugh out loud every time we sing that song because I think, yeah, for many people, man, there's pain in the offering. Yeah, amen, but we shouldn't be. We should give cheerfully, the scripture says. It ought to just bring us joy to know that we're investing in something that is eternal. We're really investing in, if if somebody could come to you right now and say, hey, if you got $10,000, I have an investment that is guaranteed. Big return on your money. If anybody does that, don't invest. But when it comes to giving to God, we're investing in something that's eternal. The gifts that we give to the support of ministry, those are guaranteed investments. We're storing up treasure for ourselves in heaven. Guaranteed. There's nothing more secure, nothing more significant that we could give our finances to, that we could invest our money in, than the missions and ministry of the church. And it requires some discipline on our part. Again, you got to think about it. You may have to do a little math. Give. Plan your giving. God has blessed us with the privilege. Giving is a privilege. It's not a it's, it's not simply a responsibility or a duty. It's a privilege. And not only has God graced us with this privilege to give, He himself is the one who gives us the ability to give. We couldn't give if it weren't for God because everything we have comes from God. So in essence, we're really not giving anything to God. We're simply returning to him what he has given to us. And this idea of giving, this grace giving that we are called to is something that, again, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, we should abound in this grace. And the word abound means really to excel. Think for a moment with me. When it comes to your service in the church, 
your role in this church, what, what are you really good at? What is it that you're good at? What has God gifted you to do? Some might say, well, you know, I, 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 God's gifted me to teach. Or, or I'm, I have the gift of encouragement. Or maybe God has blessed us with a, with a wonderful voice that we can sing. Or the ability to teach or preach. Or maybe God has just given us a love for children and we can't wait to get here on Wednesday nights to get upstairs in the Iwana clubs or, or to serve as a volunteer in the nursery. God has gifted me. That's, that's really what I'm good at. Maybe God has given you the, the, the gift of hospitality and you're one of those that loves to serve in that capacity, preparing meals, helping people in times of need. God has given you these gifts and, and you love to do those things that are in accordance with that gift. Well, God says... We all have the responsibility to give financially, and we should abound. We should excel. We should be great at giving. Be great at giving. That'd be a good title for the next message, right? Be great at giving. So plan your giving. Give regularly. Give generously. And then... Understand that your giving is in partnership. Grace giving is a partnership. Even though you do it as an individual, and as we're going to see, you do it as an individual based on your individual circumstances, you give in partnership with everybody else in the church. We hear a lot <clears throat> from our government that everybody ought to give their fair share, right? And of course, they're talking about taxes. Everybody ought to give their fair share. And I, and I think that's right. Everybody ought to give their fair share. But that's certainly true in the church. Everybody ought to give their fair share. Our giving is a partnership. We're doing this together, whatever it is. These ministries, these missions, providing for the upkeep, the maintenance, the repair on this facility. We're doing this together. It's a partnership. Financial faithfulness involves every Christian. On the first day of the week, each of you, every one of you is to put something aside. No one is excluded. And of course, we have those wonderful stories in the Bible, right? One of our favorite New Testament stories is of the widow and her mites, right? The widow's mite. She dropped in just a couple of small coins while everybody else, you know, we have that term, Blowing your own horn. You know where that came from? That came from this very scenario, the offerings that were given in the temple. And when people would give exceptionally large gifts, trumpets would blow, horns would blow. No horns blew when the lady dropped in her two mites. But Jesus said she gave more than anybody else because she gave all that she had. So no one is excluded from this wonderful privilege. Isn't that, isn't that a wonderful thing? <laughs> You know, we think, well, gosh, how cruel to make this poor old lady who only had two pennies to her name drop them in the offering plate. Nobody made her do that. She did it because she wanted to. She did it because she loved the Lord. She did it because she wanted to be a part. And she gave all that she had because that's all that she had. Paul says that our giving is a test of the sincerity of our love. Wow. That's a, that's a shot right there. Your giving, according to the Bible, is a test of the sincerity of your love. Paul also testifies 
personal circumstances should not be used as an excuse not to give. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul is, again, still talking about this offering, and he is commending the churches in Macedonia who gave even though they were impoverished. History tells us that this area of Macedonia was so impoverished that the Roman emperor declared them a depleted zone and stopped collecting taxes from them. Now, let me tell you, for the Roman government to say, okay, there's nothing left there that's even worth our going to collect, that's a poor area. And yet, the Macedonians, those poor Christians, gave and were commended by Paul. He says that, that their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their generosity. That, that statement doesn't make sense to us, does it? Their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their generosity. Paul says, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability... They were freely willing. That's what real Christians do. They give not only to their ability, but beyond their ability when the circumstances call for it. And they do it together. All of these churches, Corinthian church, Philippian church, the Galatian church, all of these churches, rich or poor, middle class, they were all contributing And ultimately, that offering would be taken to the church in Jerusalem to meet the needs of the poor Christians there. They were doing it together. And the rich Corinthian givers would get no more credit than the poor Macedonian givers. Or vice versa. So we give... In partnership. And of course, we do that. One of the things that was taking place in the early days of the church, perhaps even here with this offering, the church in Jerusalem was a largely Jewish congregation. These were, these were Jews who had converted to Christianity. Many of the other churches, in, especially in Macedonia, they were Gentile churches. And one of the things that was a real struggle in the early days of the church was the unity between Jews and Gentiles, even converted Jews and Christian Gentiles. They were still struck. And, and this partnership in giving was a means by which God would unite these two groups of people because truly they were not two groups of people, they were one people in Christ. And so our giving in partnership with one another is, is one of the means that God uses to unite us. It's an area of our church's ministry where we join hearts and hands with one another and together we support. This church. So that's what was happening as Paul writes to the Corinthians. And then not only that, but it it promotes fellowship within the church. The way that this whole thing is supposed to work is that when God blesses us with a surplus, perhaps, perhaps, you know, not uh, I, I don't know. Anybody in here ever had a surplus of money? Most of us can't even identify with what that means, a surplus. We're just, we're just making it week by week, right? But when God blesses us, some of us, he expects us to use that blessing to encourage and to help those who perhaps are, are not experiencing that kind of blessing at the time. Because inevitably what's going to happen is we're going to find ourselves in a place of need and others are going to be called upon to help us. And that's the way that it works within the church. And that, 
that just creates this sense of, of fellowship within the body of Christ, a sense of unity, just like it was doing in the early days of the church. So our giving should always be viewed as a partnership. It's not something that I do individually. It's something that we do corporately. In unity and in fellowship, we share in this privilege and responsibility together, each of you, every one of you, put something aside. And, and then the question arises, well, how much should I put aside? If tithing was something that was done under the law and now we're under the, the new covenant of grace, how much should we give under grace? Well, look what Paul says here. Store it up as he may prosper. No amount is given. Boy, it would be much easier for us if God just said, okay, James O'Dell, Here's the number. This is what you give. That'd be easy, right? Well, it'd be easy to know how much I should give. Well, we see how easy it would be to give that amount. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't give us a number. He gives us a principle. As he may prosper. And the, and the, and the principle here is that our giving is, is proportionate. Grace giving is, is proportionate. We don't all give the same amount. Every one of us gives different amounts, but it is proportionate to our own prosperity, to the way that God blesses us as individuals and families. There is no specific amount mentioned. Our giving is determined as we may prosper. So, again, let me just ask you, are you prospering? Has God blessed you? Is there income and if there is, then store it up, give it, as the Lord has prospered you. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, or pardon me, 2 Corinthians 8, 12, Paul says that one's giving should be according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. I've had people over the years that have wandered in and out of this church and wandered in and out of their relationship and responsibilities with the Lord. Not that you can wander out of your relationship with the God, but their faithfulness. They've wandered, they've strayed, they've come back. And occasionally people are so overwhelmed when they, when they finally get right with the Lord and they come back into the church, into the fellowship of the church, and, and they want to start giving again. I have had people say, but yeah, but, but I, have, I have missed for so many years. There's no way for me to catch up. And often what that does is it results in them just continuing not to give. And if that's you, if there have been years, months, weeks, days that have gone by that you haven't given as the Lord expects you, commands you, encourages you to give, don't think that you've got to make all that up before you can just pick up right now. Pick up where you are. Start today. Honor the Lord with what he entrusts to you from this moment forward giving in a manner that is proportionate to your own prosperity. Again, we are members of the new covenant. We give under grace, not under the law. And here's the thing. It's easy for us to look around at others and think, boy, God's blessed them. 
I, I, could, I could probably never give what they give. Number one, you don't know what they give. Did you know a sad reality, and I didn't, I didn't read a, a, a recent statistic, but every time I see this statistic, from the first time I saw it until the most recent time that I saw it, it is said that the average church member gives 2.9% of their income to the church. <laughs> it takes my breath away every time I see that. Not even 3%. We should, we should give in accordance with God's word. Under grace, not under law. But we should be generous in our giving. And the truth is, many simply are not. So, your giving should be proportionate. It's not based on what anybody else has. It's based on what you have. It's based on what God has given to you. Give in accordance to what God has given to you, what you have, not what you do not have. And then Paul says that they should do this so that. Here's the purpose clause in this sentence, all right? There's a, there's a reason behind these principles. He says, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Grace giving is purposeful. As much as I push back against this claim that I talk way too much about money, there are times when I have to talk about money. And let me tell you, I don't know a pastor who just relishes the thought of getting up in front of his congregation and making some plea for financial help. It's a hard thing to do. It's an uncomfortable thing to do. I don't think the Apostle Paul wanted to do that. He says, on the first day of the week, each of you put something aside, store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. I want all of this to happen so that I don't have to make an appeal when I get there. And what that means for us, church, is that financial faithfulness on the part of every member of Calvary Hill Baptist Church would eliminate the need for ongoing pleas. If everybody who is a member of this church would give in accordance with God's word, we would have such a surplus of money around here that we could engage in any ministry and missions that we desired or that we felt that was God's will for us to be involved in. We would never have to make an appeal for money. But the sad reality is, is that most people don't give as they should. And so those that are faithful carry the load, and every now and then we have to make an ongoing plea for additional funds. And of course also, financial faithfulness on the part of every member of Calvary Hill would ensure the provision of resources needed to support current and future ministries. My hope, and I believe yours, is that Calvary Hill will continue to be a vibrant, dynamic God-honoring church for, for many, many years. You know, a few brave people made the move from Chandler Drive Baptist Church in Garland over here to Mesquite, and now we've been here, gosh, more than, more than 50 years. And I believe with all my heart that one day someone will be standing here talking about 
our 75th anniversary, perhaps our 100th anniversary. That's what we want, right? Well, we're laying the foundation for that. We're those upon whom the future generations will stand upon our shoulders. We set the tone. We set the example uh, for the future. So our giving has a purpose, uh, a significant purpose, an important purpose. And we could stand up here and list the purposes for our giving uh, all week long. We won't do that. So plan your giving, all right? Think about it. Don't just fly by the seat of your pants. Plan your giving. There are times when a, when a special offering, an out-of-the-ordinary offering, will be something that you can do, that you should do. But for the most part, your giving should be regular, frequent. Know that your giving is in partnership. Yes, you're doing it based on your personal circumstances, but our giving is in partnership with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are members of this congregation. And again, know that your giving is a proportionate thing. It's based upon the prosperity that God has entrusted to you, not anybody else. Give in accordance with what you have. Don't feel pressure to give in accordance to what somebody else has. But give. And then know that your giving serves a great purpose. It underwrites, it supports, it finances the missions and ministries of this church. It's a wonderful thing when we hear of someone in need, to be able to say, we can help with that. When we hear of a ministry that needs a little extra help, to say, we, we can help with that. And all of that comes about through the financial faithfulness of you and me and all of us. So, be here. Participate in the ministry of this church. Serve sacrificially serve and give. Be financially faithful in your grace giving, all to the honor and glory of God.